I'm Dean Olsher, and this is The Really Big Questions. It's the podcast that asks, that's right, The Really Big Questions. And today, we want to know exactly how musical can machines be? This is a recording of a live performance by four musicians. One is a bassoonist, one's a saxophonist, and the other two are robots. A composer named Troy Rogers is one of the guys who designed and built the robots. He set up his robot ensemble to perform music for our digital producer, Chris Julin. Troy Rogers is in a big old former cathedral in Duluth, Minnesota. The building now houses a recording studio. It's a nice place to demo his robot ensemble. He's up on the altar getting his robots ready to play. And this one I just have to tune, so I'm going to set it up to do that. This robot's called AMI. That's A-M-I for Automatic Monochord Instrument. It's a single-stringed, uh, guitar-like robot. I don't want to give you the wrong idea with the word robot. These guys look nothing at all like human beings. AMI is a sheet of clear plastic stood on end with a guitar string stretched across it. Some electromagnetic levers pressed down on the string to change the pitch. It's kind of a one-string electric guitar that plays itself. AMI represents one kind of musical robot, where the robot and the instrument are the same thing. The other kind is a mechanical device that plays a traditional instrument, something like this one. That's a snare drum with a bunch of arms that play it. Troy built most of these robots with two other composers. They started making robots together while they were in grad school back in 2007. And now we live in different places and have joint custody of the robot. This one's a clear plastic tube that stands about three feet high. It's a clarinet-like robot. It has valves along its length, and Troy's computer operates those to change the pitch. So that's the clarinet. I'm going to just go through this piece, and it's based on Bulgarian folk music. The composition lives on Troy's laptop as computer code. A wire runs to each robot, and the robot performs what the composer has written. So the music is written on a computer, and it's triggered by a computer, but it's not computer music. The sound is created by real, physical, analog instruments. I grew up playing guitar. I was in bands growing up, and I was, I was grounded for some youthful transgression. And I read Frank Zappa's autobiography, and, and, and you know, he talked about being a composer, and I sort of glommed on to that. I, that was a new term, a new idea for me. I didn't grow up with classical music or, or those sorts of things, but I definitely appreciated Frank Zappa and his ideas. And so I liked his take on it, which was just you put a frame around it. You can do whatever you want, and as long as you put a frame around it and call it music, then that's what it is. Once you accept that broad definition of music, Troy says it's natural to embrace music made by machines. He says mechanical instruments got their start long before computers. From carillons in the low countries of Europe in the 13th century to orchestrians in the 19th century to, and player pianos. Electronic music is just a little side stream in that current of music technology. 
Troy's finishing his Ph.D. in music composition and computer technology at the University of Virginia. He didn't start out interested in building robots. He says he wasn't one of those kids who built stuff. No, I broke stuff, but I, <laughs> I didn't really build anything. <laughs> I was more into destruction, you know. I liked, I guess I, I built, I was into explosive devices. He lived through that phase, thankfully, and he eventually found himself in graduate school. A couple of years in, he wrote some music for a sort of digital player piano. But he was frustrated by the instrument's limitations. So he started taking electronic devices apart and figuring out how they worked. His first baby step toward building was to make an LED blink. Well, once you make an LED blink, it's a short step to say, oh, well, let's make a motor spin or a solenoid trigger. And and suddenly I found myself with a pencil and a paper clip and a rubber band and a steel bowl with a balloon stretched over it, making a little mechanical drummer. And and from there, that's how everything kind of started. (laughs) Troy kept learning from the Internet, and he found other people who wanted to build musical robots, and they learned together. He and two other composers formed a collective called EMI. It stands for Expressive Machines Musical Instruments. Troy says he's a musician who just happens to have taught himself a lot of computer programming and engineering, but he's not an engineer. There's engineering that goes into building these things, but I don't think like an engineer. We're not trying to build something that, that solves a particular specified problem in the most efficient way. Sometimes the inefficient solution is the most musically interesting. Troy started by composing music for human performers, like this. He still writes occasional pieces for voice or solo piano, but he's drawn to robots because they can do things that humans simply can't. It might be complex rhythmic relationships and structures, kind of polyrhythms that are outside the realm of what humans can perform. So, you know, rather than just like a three against two fill, it might be in, you know, 82 against 85 against 89 um, notes in a given time period. Robots can play faster than humans, too. Some of those kind of trills or tremolos are happening at, say, 40 times or 50 times a second. You think that, oh, people might get into music for robots because of the precision, and that's definitely part of it. You want that digital control. On the other hand, sometimes you want to be surprised, and so you find these, you find the voice of the instrument, and it's no different from people who have been experimenting with acoustic instruments, electronic, you know, whether it's analog or digital, whether it's multiphonics on a wind instrument, um, or whether it's, you know, a robotic instrument trilling at a rate that's just below the absolute top threshold. You get into these sounds that you can't produce another way, and sometimes that's, you know, what we're looking for as musicians. But Troy says robots have their own set of limitations. Or maybe it makes more sense to flip that around and say humans bring extra things to music that robots can't. 
Here are four notes written by the composer Massonet, played by a human violinist. One dot on a piece of paper in a certain spot, and you get all of that with a human performer. It takes a lot more information <laughs> and a lot more specification to get something as interesting out of a computer or a robot. A human performer just does it out of the box. Sometimes Troy emulates a more human sound with a robot. This is the fourth member of Troy's quartet. This one roughly simulates the human voice. Troy built it with a friend in Belgium. He spent a year there on a Fulbright scholarship working with what's billed as the world's largest robot orchestra. If you're a technical person, you might know what Troy means when he says this robot generates sound from two tunable Helmholtz resonators. If you think of a beer bottle, if there's less liquid, you have a lower pitch, and if there's more liquid, you have a higher pitch. It's, they're a lot like that. I can change the vowel sound, kind of going through different ah, oh, e, oo. Now the full robot quartet is plugged in and ready to go. Troy cues up a piece based on Ugandan folk music. Where I used to be almost exclusively a composer, now I've become an instrument builder as well. Robots end up taking up a lot of my, my time. They're, they're time-consuming devices. The robots might require a lot of time and energy, but on the plus side, Troy Rogers has a house orchestra that's always ready to play. And they hardly eat anything. That's our digital producer, Chris Julin. He produced this podcast with help from Emily Havik. You can see photos of Troy Rogers' robots and find a link to his music on our website, which is trbq.org. And while you're there, you can listen to our hour-long radio special, Why Does Music Move Us? The Really Big Questions is a project of Sound Vision Productions with funding from the National Science Foundation. I'm Dean Olsher. <laughs>